Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... No, the Bible points to an exciting life of knowing Jesus Christ, to an eternal certainty that allows us to take risks, to allows us to live differently, that empowers us to joyfully serve the living Savior. The Word of God knows nothing about someone receiving the free gift of salvation and being complacent towards the sin in their life the exact opposite. The journey of life as a Christian is anything but dull. Pastor Jim today reminds us of this fact as he describes the power of the gospel message. When we hear the manner in which Jesus lived his life and then died a horrible death on the cross for us, we can't help but be curious to know more about this man. When we accept his free gift of grace to cover all of our sins, we can live a life of freedom from guilt and shame and an assurance that we have a home in heaven with Jesus. With that in mind, Here's Pastor Jim with part two of his message entitled, Joyful Knowledge. Here's a guy, greatest theological mind that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. And after 30 years of being a follower of Jesus Christ, what does he say? I want to know him more. I want to know him more. I am never afraid that I'm going to know it all about Jesus. When I hear people say they know it all about Jesus, you know what I say all the time? They don't even know him at all. They know nothing about him. Because here's a guy who knows more than anybody. He's a Bible writer, and he's saying, I want to know more. There is so much more to know about Jesus. And this is the way it should be in a marriage. And it should be this way in our faith, a deep desire to know Jesus better. And this was the driving force in the Apostle Paul's life. This is how joy in jail was not only possible, but it was his reality. You would meet him and you wouldn't go, you know, it's just a bum deal about what's going on with you here, Paul. You know, it's just not right. He would say, oh, no, the Lord is using it. I've been telling every guard that's come in here about Jesus. People in the prison are coming to believe. I actually sat down and writing some letters. (laughs) Little did he know that we would be reading them and studying them word by word thousands of years later. Like many people here, that desire to know Jesus more energized his devotion to Jesus and fueled his desire to tell others. We're either fueled or we're not to tell people about Jesus. We either love the things that God loves or we don't. You know the story of the prodigal son, most of us know that and It's in the middle of a great chapter of of lost things. You know, God loves lost things. Something about finding things that are lost. I was looking for the headset for my cell phone. My wife found it. It's clean now because it went through the laundry. (laughs) And I love finding something lost, but it doesn't work anymore. But when God finds lost things, they work even better than when they did before. When he washes things and cleans them up, they're way better than they ever could have been in the first place. 
You know, I believe in church in our country today, we're missing a big part of knowing Jesus by limiting it to what some people call a personal relationship. Please don't get me wrong, I totally believe in that. But, you know, I think it's a limiting term because in the Bible, in the Word of God, knowing God is also being aware of His will. It's being willing and available to obey His will. With His help, of course. Being yielded to Him. You know, when you're a pastor, you see things in people. You, you see people who are in just terrible marriages, sadly. And you see one person saying, you know, I'm hanging in there because I believe this is what the Lord has for me. And, you know, you might think, I'm thinking like, oh, those people are messed up. I so admire that. Just available to obey. You see, being a Christian is not just going to church. It's just not feeling something about God. It's not something experiencing something about God. But it's like the apostles model for us walking in Jesus' way. Following Jesus where he would take us. So you say, how can I get there? How can I get there? This is one of the longest introductions I've ever done to a sermon in a long time. Some of you are like, I was hoping it was done. <laughs> well, some people take notes, and the first thing is, if you want to get there, you must be empowered by the risen Christ. Empowered by the risen Christ. Look, verse 10 still, he says, that I may know him. That has to be a deep passion. And, look what he says here, the power of his resurrection. So he says, I want to know him, but I also want to have his power, the power of his resurrection. Now, in a minute, the apostle Paul is going to talk about Jesus suffering and death. But isn't it unusual that he talks about Jesus' resurrection before he talks about his death? Well, Jesus died before he, you're thinking, oh, he's just got the order mixed up. No, he's doing it for us. You say, well, what makes you, what makes you think that? Because for someone who is a Christian, and what, but let's call them a committed follower of Jesus Christ. If you're not one of those people, I'm so glad that you're here. I didn't become one until much later in life. Almost 30 years old. And so for someone who's a Christian, resurrection power comes before physical death. It comes first. That is the first experience of truly being a Christian, of being what the Bible calls a new creation in Christ, of what the Bible refers to as a new life in Christ. If you're not a follower of Jesus, are you tired? Honestly, are you tired? Do you find yourself really, at the end of the day, if you were honest with yourself, I'm fighting with God and it's killing me. I'm exhausted. I can tell you from experience, you won't win. <laughs> how does a new life start? How does a new fresh start sound? How does that sound to you? You see, we talk in the Bible about something called conversion. Interesting. Conversion, we think of, well, I converted so I could get married in their church. That's not the Bible's talking of conversion at all. Conversion in the Bible is a resurrection from the spiritually dead to the spiritually alive. I remember one time talking to a young woman. I was talking to her about Jesus, and, and she said to me, well, I just want to let you know you can't convert me. And because I'm a geeky pastor, I said, very theologically astute of you. 
because you can't convert anyone. Only God can bring that which is dead to life. Now, this encourages me, this resurrection power, because no matter what happens to any Christian, that power is already in us. Ephesians 1.19 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? This word power is similar to our word dynamite. And it was this dynamite that rose Jesus from the dead. It's this power that makes us a new creation. It destroys the penalty for sin. Jesus took it on the cross, but for us it also destroys the power of sin in our lives. And we actually have the power to obey God. And it is this power that enables us to experience the love of Jesus. It is this power that enables us to walk in the power of Jesus, to rejoice It gives us strength. It gives us endurance. Oh, and how different than the apostle's thinking is than our world's thinking. He doesn't want the power to rule. He wants the power to obey. And he ties it in to knowing Jesus. Please don't get the wrong idea about what it means to obey. You know, they accuse Jesus of hanging out with the wrong crowd. He loved the sinners and tax collectors. And I'm a pastor, and I have to be honest with you, sometimes I feel more comfortable out in the streets with people cursing than I do at some of the pastor meetings I go to. I'm just not that. Colossians 1, you don't even have to turn there. It's just on the next page Verse 9 through 14, he's, he's been talking, another letter of the Apostle Paul, been talking about the faith and love and the spirit of the God's people that the Colossians had for one another, the people in the city of Colossae. And he says, verse 9, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. When's the last time you put patience and suffering and joy in the same sentence? Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Saints are just the set-apart people of God who have the righteousness from God. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Friends, the word of God knows nothing of a gloomy faith that wants to sit in a tower and not experience the joys of life. The Bible knows nothing of a gloomy faith that wants to die because this life is just a complete waste of time. No, the Bible points to an exciting life of knowing Jesus Christ, to an eternal certainty that allows us to take risks, to allows us to live differently, that empowers us to joyfully serve the living Savior. The Word of God knows nothing about someone receiving the free gift of salvation and being complacent towards the sin in their life. The exact opposite. Are you spiritually dry? 
Are you off the charts discouraged? Is there some sin that is like a vice grip around your neck that though verbally you may say it's not a big deal, but in your heart you realize it's killing you on the inside? Pray. Pray hard. Pray with faith that you would be empowered by the risen Christ. Number two, we joyfully know Jesus as we are accompanied by the risen Christ. Still verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and note this, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Pastor Jim, are you kidding? <laughs> are you kidding? I don't want to suffer. I like the guys on TV. Everything's fine and rosy. It's an act. <laughs> it's not true. Wanting to know Jesus more means that we must somehow try to enter into Jesus' experience on the cross. We need to think about it. We need to realize it was for us that he did that. Now, it's very important that we understand what he's not saying here. He's not saying that Jesus' suffering was incomplete. There is nothing to add to Jesus' sacrifice. What he's doing here is he's entered into Jesus' suffering. He's thought about Jesus' suffering. And now he is tying Jesus' suffering on the cross with his own suffering for the good of the kingdom of God. Let me give you an example that maybe some of you have experienced before. Maybe you're trying to follow Jesus and people are mocking you. And then you open your Bible to the Gospels and you, you read about the mocking that Jesus went through so he could give to you this righteousness that is from God. So your sins could be forgiven. So you could have eternal life. And as you enter in, take your suffering and enter into his suffering, it's really not so bad, is it? In fact, you may even say this is an honor. That I would be counted worthy to suffer in the same manner that my Lord did. We think about the cross, and I think we all should, and we think about our own sinfulness. We ponder it. This allows us to see and experience the love of Jesus Christ. But it also, in a very, very unusual and profound way, enables us to enter into his suffering as he enters into our suffering. Let me ask you, friend, what are you going through today? Could you put one word on it? Discouragement? It's at the cross. Loneliness? It's there. Betrayal? It's there. Abuse? It's there. People lying about you? It's there. Try today to put one word on whatever you're going through. Poor, naked, shame, 
take one word and take it to the cross, enter into Jesus' suffering and watch him enter into yours. And here we call this word the fellowship of suffering. That's the the word koinonia, a word that the the church throws around so much. We say, come with us after service and we'll have a a coffee fellowship, right? And, and, you know, like, uh, you know, our suffering in the coffee fellowship is we didn't like the way they made the coffee. No, no, no. Fellowship is a deep word. It's a word that tells the Christian that you are not alone. That you are never alone. That Jesus is alive and he is with you. And you and I can actually experience him when we suffer. Oh, I love John Wesley's dying words hundreds of years ago. He's in a room full of people. He's dying Perhaps you've been in the presence of someone dying and it's a, it's a solemn and it's a sad, it's an otherworldly moment. And Wesley exclaimed, the best of all, God is with us. What a way to die. No fear. I cannot wait to open my eyes again in the presence of the Lord. In America, we really don't worship Jesus, do we? We worship comfort. We worship ease. Churches that tell people that everything is wonderful and everything is great and you can have everything you want, that God is this big cosmic vending machine, just put something in and press the button and all will come out. I often wonder what Bible they're not reading when they preach those messages. Acts chapter 14, the apostle Paul and his entourage are going back through all the lands and all the cities and churches that they've planted and listen to what he told them. He said, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Comfort says, what can God do for me? Ease says, I tried the church thing. I went twice. God didn't fix my problems. I guess he has no power. All the years to mess up our lives and we give God two shots. But that's what comfort is. But suffering in the Christian says, how in this situation can I get to know the Christ of the cross more intimately? How can I draw closer to Jesus? Not so my problems will go away. We all have problems. No, the Christian is able to weather the storm better because they have built their house on the foundation of the rock. Despite the false teachers who are telling you that life should always be good, despite our sinful brains that think that we should always have everything our own way and the way we like it, suffering for Christ for the Christian is proof of God's grace, not proof of a lack of God's grace. We don't go out and look for it. That's ridiculous. But when it comes our way, we realize this is the entrance into knowing God more deeply. But notice this before we move on, that power came before suffering. The order is very important. 
Because the power of the resurrection provides strength in our suffering, provides motivation in our suffering, provides perspective in our suffering because the only way that suffering can lead to a deeper relationship with the Lord is we must be accompanied in our suffering by the risen Christ. Number three, we can joyfully know Jesus as we are conformed by the risen Christ. Still in verse 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, look at this, being conformed to his death. Some of your Bible versions say that we are becoming like him in his death. When we get to verse 21 in chapter 3, he will explain that to us more fully. But for now, let's think of it as the way Jesus did. To follow after him is to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily, and follow him. Ladies, your cross is not your husband. Your cross is not your boss. Praise God, your cross is not your pastor. Although it might feel that way at the moment. No, the cross is the denying of ourselves. Romans 6, the Apostle Paul taught us that is being dead to sin and being alive to God in Jesus Christ. Let's put it a little bit more. Let's put the cookies on the bottom shelf where we can all grab one and eat, okay? Being dead to sin is the death of selfishness in our lives. It is the death of only caring about ourselves. We have to care about ourselves or then everybody else has to watch out for you, right? But we have to care for others as well. Is giving our lives to God. It is pouring our lives to others. I love this about our young people. They want to make a difference in this world. They don't want it just to be, they've seen the failed experiment, right, of yuppieism that has just resulted in awful family dynamics. And so they want to give their lives. And this is what being dead to sin is. It is like Jesus Christ who was dead to sin, giving his life on the cross. The idea is becoming increasingly more like Jesus. Experiencing the joy of sacrifice. Giving our own lives for the kingdom of God. Don't you want this world to be different because you were here? That's what this is about. Not being afraid to take a risk. Being afraid not to take a chance. This is such a freeing way to live. But please, for some of us here today, what I'm about to say may be the most important thing that I'm going to say to you, especially if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are living a joyless Christianity. Because here is the struggle for so many people. We are giving ourselves to other joys and the joy of Jesus is not ours. We are giving ourselves and our hearts and the best of us to other things 
And the joy of Jesus is not our possession. We are following our own wisdom. We are following our own ways. And the joy of our salvation, the joy of Jesus eludes us. It escapes us. It's not his fault. It's ours. Well, that concludes the teaching portion of today's broadcast of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Moores Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Join us next time as Pastor Jim continues teaching through the book of Philippians. You can learn more about Changed by Love and Pastor Jim by visiting our website. The web address is changedbyloveradio.com. Again, the web address is www.changedbyloveradio.com. Changed by Love exists because of the generous donations of our listeners, and we would like to ask all of our listeners who have never written us to preferably consider writing us today and let us know that you are listening to the broadcast. In fact, many of your letters are read to our congregation to encourage them in this ministry. You can write to us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You can also give us a call for more information, request resources, or for prayer at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. You can also send us an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. If you are in the Morris County, New Jersey area, we would love to have you visit us. We are located in the center of Morris County on Route 15 South. That's all for today. Until next time, God bless you, and our prayer is that you too would be changed by love.